0: Well, I have the great pleasure of sharing with you today as pastor is out experiencing the holy land. Are you ready to take notes? I don't say that because I'm amazing. I actually don't think I'm that dynamic of a speaker. <laughs> but <clears throat> as a youth pastor, you're going to hear me say some things. I'll let you know that I say to our youth all the time. And I'm going to fill you in on some of those things. One of those things is take notes. Here's why you should take notes. It does a few things. Number one, you can look at the statistics on your your own. I don't have the numbers um, in my head, but it's actually staggering. How much more likely you are to remember something after you've heard it and wrote it down? It like more than doubles. It like quadruples how much more you're able to recall it when your brain has to actually write something down and you see yourself doing it while you're listening to something. You should take notes. Also, when you take notes, it shows that you think something's important, right? You hear how many things throughout the week all the time. This is important. It's the word of God. And lastly, when you take notes and you're ready to take notes, it shows you have an expectation, expectation is good. When you come to hear the pastor speak, we have uh, the most amazing pastor ever who shares every Sunday with us and pours out his guts um, and is spending time throughout the week getting in the word. When I show up to listen to a man of God speak, I am saying when I'm ready to take notes, I have an expectation that God is going to reveal something new to me. I have an expectation that I'm going to get something out of the word. And I know even if you don't have a notebook, which that's a good habit to bring with you to church, you have a phone that has a notepad on it because I have one of those. (laughs) If you have an iPhone or an Android, come on, take notes. There are things that you just can't get to in one service. Um, And I want you to get out of it whatever you can. My little guy, okay. My little boys have not been feeling so well. You can pray for them if you think about it. They've, they've been fighting a little sickness. But let's get into the Word together. Now, we've been talking about being united with Christ, right? I've been in this series. Well, I love it. What, what a topic. Pastor said, Aaron, I want you to keep going with this series. And I said, oh okay. We like it. This is what a topic to, to be given, easy to run into. Now, being united with Christ is, encompasses a lot and we've been trying to understand what this means concerning intimacy with the lord uh dying and resurrecting with him right um living out the fullness with of christ while being united with him or we were talking about that pastor andrew did a great job um and in all these different areas pastor has been going into uniting with christ i want to look at a part of scripture to let us know that god doesn't just want to unite with us But he wants to stay united. He wants to stay connected. And 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 the word really translates into a remain, okay? And and so that's the thing today is remaining with Christ. And that this is more than just you had a one-time experience uniting with Christ, but to remain united with Christ, to change that there would be physical evidence that I am remaining with Christ. Amen? You with me? Don't tone me out. (laughs) And by the way, you know how important it is to be connected to Christ, right? Pastors done an incredible job talking about the vine and the branches and that life-giving sap, right? And the blooms and the fruit and all this stuff that should be expected from the life of a believer. But it's important to be connected because it produces life. There's a story that I heard, pastor actually told me this, about a school in Texas, this was a long time ago, where there was a fire and it burned down and like 200 people died. Really sad, very, very tragic. And this county was a decent sized county and it needed the school, so after some time had passed by, they rebuilt, and when they rebuilt it, see it burnt down, it didn't have any sprinkler systems in it. Uh, This was before that stuff was mandatory, a lot of that was new, so this was was pretty old. Um, But when they rebuilt it, they put the -the state-of-the-art sprinkler system in it, and were showing it off, and everybody was clapping, thought this was amazing, and the school was a huge success. So much so that many years down the road, not that many years actually, uh, down the road that they had to expand it. That's always a good sign, right? More students, more teaching, more so. When they went to build this expansion and add on, they're doing a lot of this remodeling, they found out that that sprinkler system was never attached to the water main. Thank goodness that fire never happened again, right? Because that incredible state-of-the-art equipment was rendered null and void without being connected to that source, right? Right? What I want to say today is I don't care how successful you are. I don't care what your giftings are. I don't care what you look like, sound like, what your great plans are. You will never operate the way you fully could operate to your greatest potential if you are not connected to the source. You can create your own standards. You can live up to the world's standards if you want to. But that is nothing compared to what God has for you, period. And unfortunately, these fires happen in our own life from time to time to show us that we need to be connected to the source in order to make it through. To be connected is so important. To be connected is life. Church, we have to be people that represent that life because everyone out there including people in here let's be honest we do it we try to find everything we can to fit that god-shaped hole inside of our life we put whatever we can in there and it doesn't work we have to be connected to the lord so that other people can see that light can see that fruit can see the light right can see our blossoms our big blooms and be like wait why how where does that come from it's important. Today's message has a lot to do with just you and God, but I need you to remember that this is about others as well. Our faith is not a selfish faith. Not, it's not just an inwardly focused thing. It's, it's all about self-sacrifice. Christ died. He sacrificed himself so that we would have life, so that others could see that light, and we're asked to do the same thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Considering that, that water system that was never hooked up, I no one did that on purpose, right? I want to bring to your attention, there is a difference between my ignorance, which let's be honest, I can be very ignorant. I don't know what I don't know because I don't know it, right? And I need God's grace to shine some light, shed some light on the situation, right? And God shows me some things, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And he's like, yes, I know. Now you know it. <laughs> this is that's grace of God. He knows what we don't know. That's okay, right? So th- there's that, which God has so much grace for, and then there's like a, a willing disconnection. That's a, that's a different problem altogether. When I've turned away from, or I like all of this part, Jesus, but not so much this part. So I just kind of push that aside. That's like willing. And that's not okay either. But in either case, whether it's ignorance, (laughs) I have that. Please do not be so proud as to think that there are not still areas of your life in which you are ignorant of the truth. That's all of us growing constantly. And then there's the willingness to be disobedient or to disregard areas of our life that we regret, right, or we're still working through, regardless of those things do That poses one big question, what do I do? Now what? Now that we've examined ourselves, which you need to examine yourselves, don't point fingers at anyone else, examine yourselves, church. And as we examine ourselves and we see these wounds what do I do? Let's poke it. <laughs> no, that hurts. Don't do that. <laughs> Let's see what James chapter four, 4, verse 8 says. I love the book of James. This is part A. I've been teaching in James to our youth on Tuesday nights, and it's just so, James just throws it out there. He's so eloquent and so gently spoken in some areas, and in other areas, he just like both barrels, just like shoots you. This is awesome. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is so comforting. That is just good news. What do I do? Look for him, and he will look for you. God is not hiding from us. He's not hiding from you. And I'm not saying you're going to understand every great mystery of God. He is God. He wouldn't be God if we understood him. But I want to tell you, God is knowable. He is knowable, church. He is one that you can be connected with. We do not gather together, at least not at this church, we are not gathered together to worship something on stage. He's not a tree. He's not just a wooden symbol of the cross. He's not a statue. It's a living God who has a presence. And he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Now, what does part B say? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded like that's the same verse draw near to god and he will draw near to you so cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded that's a good verse and we need to be reminded of those things but what i want to do really quick is as we're talking about remaining in christ and abiding in him and being unified i just quickly want to remind you this has nothing to do with works That is an important verse, and we all need to hear that. And we're going to get a little bit more into that. But you remaining in Christ has nothing to do with your performance. He's warning the church against worldliness, right? I mean, we should note that there are times in our lives where the Lord is trying to prune us. Remember Pastor Ron talking about pruning? He's given such good examples in this series. Such good illustrations these prunings though that could be painful for us but he's doing it in love and he does this prune so we can blossom so we can bloom but sometimes he's doing this thing that hurts in us a little bit because he's trying to remove something that is preventing us from growing and producing the maximum amount of fruit that we can but we don't want to let go so we hold on to it and we hide it and that and that's why this is painful and that's why we need to hear things like cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> Purify your hearts. Don't be double-minded. That sounds a little bit heavy connected to draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But it's all in love. And just know it's, it's not a works-based thing. Your works do not earn the father's love because he's a better father than that. My almost three-year-old son cannot earn my love no matter what he does my love is just overflowing for him whether i'm playing with him joking with him or spanking him on the butt like it's all in the same heart of love and he has done nothing to earn it right he just is And this is how God feels about every one of us. No matter what kind of a day we're having, you were created by him, and he just loves. Always and forever. Have you been especially good this year? (laughs) He's not like Santa Claus. He still has all of his love for you. I am so sorry if you were in this room this morning and you are estranged You are far off. You have been distant from God. You're not connected. All of God's love is right there for you. He still loves you the same amount from the second you were born until right now. It is the same. He does things not because he wants us to earn his love, but because he already loves us and knows what our blossom and bloom looks like even when we do not. <clears throat> we, we never know what our potential is, honestly. We see more potential in other people than we do in ourselves. We see the work that God is doing in someone else's life before we see what he's really working inside of us. I mean, who knew, right? Right? God sees things that we don't see who knew God knows how many times have I been upset about being late like something happened and I was just delayed somewhere and God's like you have no idea what I just spared you from you have no idea what tragedy I just avoided you you have no I just want to tell you he knows what we don't know he sees what we don't see his ways are not our ways Uh, That's the love of the Father. And we need to remember when we're going through these times when it's hard or when he's pruning, it's because he loves us and he's still asking us to draw near to him and he sees what we don't see and it's like, yeah, but it hurts and I don't like it and it's uncomfortable. But that, he's like, I know, but that's part of life. If I don't do this, it will get worse or you'll miss out. I have to do this because I love you. But let's get to the meat of this. John chapter 15, verse 4. Abide in me. Come on, you've heard this over these past few weeks, right? He's referenced the vine and the branches many times. And this, this particular verse out of Maybe these ten verses. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. You cannot produce fruit by itself. You cannot. I don't know how we kid ourselves into thinking that we can but we do it all the time. You must abide in me. That word abide is the one that translates to remain. And in fact, when we look at it, it's repeated another 10 times in this half chapter or so. Over, remain, 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 remain in me, remain in me, I would remain in you. Remain, remain, remain. What in the world is he trying to communicate with us when he is saying it that many times in such a short passage of scripture to remain? Remain to me is an interesting word choice here because it's like he saved me when I was dead in my sin. And this is an important part of your faith. A lot of what I have to say is rendered useless until you have been made alive in Christ. Until you have acknowledged who Jesus is in you. And This is our message always, church. Salvation. The cross. But remaining to me is is interesting because he saved me. He, He opened up my eyes to light. And then he's like, now stay. You mean I can go what what does this look like there's there's just more to it than than the one-time experience is what this is telling me he's making it clear that that this is a journey that we're on That this is a life process and the Bible makes that clear and Pastor Ron has referenced that too especially considering the race that we have to run right and enduring the race and fighting the fight but he's saying right here right now concerning all of this stuff remain in me remain. You see me and my guys out in that parking lot every Sunday morning, right? Raining, if it's cold, if it's windy, hot, whatever that is, it could be the worst weather ever. I got some faithful guys. They're amazing, and I love their service and their heart. But you know the truth of the matter is they can wake up early to get here when other people don't where they don't have to because they want to. Because we enjoy serving the kingdom and we love each other, believe it or not. <laughs> we have a good time. It may be the worst weather conditions and we're going to make jokes about it and it's going to be bad. Or it's like, oh, I can't wait. Da-da-da. But we're going to be out there the whole time having a great time loving what we're doing when we're doing it. In fact, that group of guys is one of the guys that – Really, we can be asked to do many of the tasks here at the church, and we'll gladly do it. The funny thing is, I can't think of any job that we've ever done here at the church as menial or dirty as it is, and they've never been like, why are we doing this? We just do it, and we have an amazing time doing it because we love spending time together. My wife and I, can go into any store and go down the aisles and just take our time having an amazing time looking at things. In fact, grocery time is one of our favorite times. Like, unless we're in a real time crunch, it's just like, wait, let's just look down here and just see, like, just look at, we only have to get a few things, but let's just look at all, like, Costco family night is, like, my jam, And, like, they don't change a lot of stuff, but sometimes you never know. But we go there so frequently, let's, let's just go down the aisle and see. And we're just looking at all the things. We just have an amazing time doing that together. You can put us at any restaurant, Lauren and I, with our kids or without them, and we'll have an amazing time sitting together. Let's bring a pack of Uno cards or something like that. We will stay there for hours. We just love being together, just spending time together. I got to tell you, the heart of God, often I was just hit with this. He's like, why don't you want to spend time with me like that? You'll you'll make church and you'll talk about this amazing life experience that happened or you'll say like Sunday morning, Sunday was so good, but then it was like in your relationship with him, do you want to spend time in his presence? He longs for that. When he says, pursue me and I I will pursue you saying I know you have some really good friendships in this life nothing compares to the heart of the father he's saying remain in me he's like stay a little longer have another cup of coffee with me like just just be with me Make time to read my word and to be connected. That is so important. It is life-giving. That is the sap that Pastor was talking about. Worship with me. Know me. I am knowable. And we need people who are connected to a knowable God in this culture, in this world, where people don't know anything where they're looking for everything. I need the answers (laughs) for me as well as the answers for other people, right? This is the dual purpose of our faith, for me and for them. I need them for me, but I know that this is so good for them too. Remain, stay, stay. You know you will not remain where you do not want to stay. Just stubborn pig-headed sheep, that's what we are. We won't stay where we don't want to. And here's the thing. If you're being forced to stay somewhere you don't want to, everyone else is going to know it. they will see that ugly grimace on your face or your folded arms. and your <laughs> That guy is not having a good time. <clears throat> or worse, and this is worse, you fake it and no one else knows about it and you are miserable on the inside. I don't want you to be that either. It needs to be real. And it's interesting because we read about James and how he goes off on that thing like boom, boom, he hits you with it. And the Bible will boom, boom, time and time again. But the greatest thing about this is is he's not saying that to the world. He's saying it to the church. Those who should know. Now hear me when I come at you kind of hard. It's not about your works. That's so important. It's your heart. And when you've been exposed to the truth and you choose to say, nah, oh, it hurts. It's yucky. I don't want you to fake it. This is by far not bragging at all. (laughs) It's the opposite. I just say, uh, Lauren and I particularly have had probably, I know for me, this has been one of the hardest years of my life. A lot of people don't really know that. And and I'm not looking for a flood of like, I'm not blaming anybody, okay? There's just been a lot of particularly difficult things. And I'm not saying this is the worst year ever. There's been a lot of amazing things that happened this year, too. But just the hardest. I I told Lauren the other day, I said, I have felt a lot of things this year that I have never felt in my entire life. But we use these things as a compass. I believe feelings have a purpose. I believe feelings should not dictate what we do. They don't make decisions for me but they're showing me some things that are going on and it points me to the Lord. And in this time, I can tell you because someone has spoken life into me, someone has taught me and I've developed a relationship with the Lord that through these hard times, I have never felt abandoned by God. I have never shaken my fists at God. I may say I don't understand. I don't know everything. But I have been able to remain in him. I was so touched by Pastor, especially, man, when he was talking, when he brought up that fake daffodil, you remember that? It was so good. There's so many good lessons there. But when he's talking about, like, the real blossoming and how it's like, fake ones always want it to feel like that, but the real ones don't always look like that, and they go through seasons, and I was just, I was just breaking because I was just like, God, I am not blossoming in so many areas. Oh, when I'm like hurting when I'm weak, when I feel like I just don't understand what's going on, things that I know are done by my own hand that are the problem, but just so many areas like this, this is where the rubber meets the road when I'm not blossoming, but the struggle is good. The struggle means you're alive. It's real. It means you're not dead. And this is when it's so important to remain and be connected to Christ. I am the vine. You are the branches. You must remain in me. I know what that means. I've had a relationship with the Lord for a long time now. I want to make this as clear as possible for everyone that has not had a relationship with the Lord at all or very early or hasn't had this breakthrough in their life. How do we do this? See, this remaining thing that he's talking about, like where you always stay, where he's always there, it's It's a permanent residence He's talking about making a home that I would be at home with Christ when I first moved up here. It was you know very exciting. the new life changed, the season change from Louisiana. Up to Indiana and the bitter cold for just no reason. Just like in the winter, many times I feel like like Pastor Dick has a completely different opinion than me. But I just feel like God has abandoned us at times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cold. <laughs> I used to say I had gills behind my ears from uh, living in humid southern Louisiana, and they just like froze off and fell off when I moved up here. <clears throat> But anyways, it was still exciting. I still loved that. I never experienced anything like that. But just, you know, a few months in, it sets in. I love Lauren. I knew I was here to get that girl. and I got that girl. I'm going to tell you that right now. I love Pastor Ron. I love, knew that I was supposed to be a part of this church and to get connected and to be here. But, but I went through a season of loneliness, as many people do. It's very common with young people, especially when they're going into that next season of their life. Because my family and my friends are not here. You know what I mean? Like my whole life was down in Louisiana and now I'm here. But I knew I was ruined. I knew it was something I just had to learn how to work through, get connected, get help. Because if I had decided to throw in the towel and move down to Louisiana, I I would have been in trouble there too because I knew that God had called me here and that my home is not necessarily where you grew up. Well, what is home? I mean, I was completely ruined. I knew I have to go through this season and work through. I don't know what the entirety of this next step looks like, but I've got to do it because back there is not home anymore. I still get those nostalgic feelings going there, my old stomping grounds, right? Staying in my old bedroom, mom and dad. It's amazing, and I still get those homey feelings, but at the end of the day, it's not home. It's not a building either, right? Right? It's my family, it's relationship, it's people, and more than anything, it's God. God, he's made residence in my heart, and I've and connected to him, and I want to stay connected to him. You, write this down, John 14, chapter 1, uh, I mean, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 through verse 7. i I'm not. We're not reading through this all on the screen, I'm just going to read a little bit. He says, let your hearts... Uh, not, not Let not your hearts be troubled, excuse me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God. This is Jesus talking. Also believe in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Where I am, so you will be also. He's talking about building that home. He's talking about building that house. And then there's like, there's the house that's after this life, right? Which if we had a proper understanding, if we really thought about the glory of God and what happens in eternity after this life, it would be a lot easier for us to do what we need to do on this side. Like this side of eternity is just a tiny little drop of water in the largest ocean that we couldn't even fathom. Right? It just, it just doesn't compare. But we get all wrapped up in this life. But he's like, there, there's that house afterwards, but even right here. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? No, Jesus, I don't know where you're going. And no, I don't know the way. What are you talking about? And I love how really is, and this is someone that has spent a lot of time with Jesus. And sometimes we just got to be frank. And I'll tell you, this is the best conversations I've ever had with God where I'm alone with him. My face is in the carpet, and I'm like, I'm a screw-up, and I don't know where you are. And I don't know where to go. Some of you, that's the first step you have in intimacy with Jesus is just being real. I had breakthrough in my own prayer life when I was a young man because I grew up in the church when I was like, I don't understand the prayer thing. Like, I'll pray for things and hopefully God will do it. But I don't understand this intimate prayer relationship because I was like, doesn't he know everything? If he already knows everything, what am I going to tell him? But it it comes back to my son when he's one talking to me, just walking up to me. His whole world is the the living room. There's nothing past that. And he's just like telling me about a toy that fell over. There's nothing that's beyond my understanding. Nothing he could ever say to me was like, no, I know everything that you could know and more. But I love that you're talking to me. The intimacy of the relationship, church. It's the getting connected. And Thomas is like, I don't know. And I was like, God, I'm struggling with A, B, C, and D, and I know that they're all wrong, but this is just where I'm at, and I need you to intervene if if something's going to change or I need help. And I'm just like a tear puddle on the carpet in my floor in Louisiana, and I met God in a new way. It was a new step in remaining with Jesus right then and there. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You may not know the way, let me tell you the way, me. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In seeing Jesus, how do I make a home, abiding, remaining? These are all words like, like abide is not something we use in our language really at all. Let us go abide in that cafe for some decent coffee. Let us abide together in our living room to watch Lord of the Rings. (laughs) It just doesn't, we don't use the word abide. This is all weird. It could be like religious talk or things that I'm disconnected from. But he's just saying, no, remain. It's a stay. It's a relationship thing. It's a presence seeking thing. And he's saying, if you want to know how, it just all starts with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, it's calling on the name of Jesus. It's you not being uh, proud and prideful. It's you acknowledging that you are a broken man or woman and that you need a savior, that I'm not ashamed to ask for Jesus to change where I am still messed up. And I'm going to do this every day as often as I need to. Even my flesh doesn't like it. God, I need you. Remember, it's not a works thing. It's because he loves me and I love him. And to remain, it's at, it starts at the cross. It starts with just us understanding who Jesus was. He was the Messiah. He was the perfect one who died so that we may have life. And he's like, if you see me, if you're able to come to Jesus, you are with the Father. And I have already made a home for you. You can take him with you everywhere you go. That's the thing that no one can ever take from you. Oh, the home is the place you go to on your best days and your worst days. That's where I find rest. We're just singing about it. Right? I love, I love, I love your presence. I'm not gonna really sing for you, you don't want that. Be the worst. But we sing about it. Come on, church. We sing about things all the time and we don't think about what we're saying. I love your presence. Do you? I was really touched by a young man. I I was probably 13, he was probably like 17 or so, and he had grown up in the church too. This is I was still in Louisiana. And we were at a conference, and I just really respected him for this. He was singing. And for him personally, we were at a youth conference singing about loving God and present and stuff like that, and he just stopped. He just didn't say anything. He just stood there stiff as a board. And afterwards, in our small group, he said he heard God tell him to shut up. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Because he was like, you don't mean it. You say all these words, but you don't mean it. And I was like, oh, I just like, really respected him for going through that. And it forces us, forces us a life change. And I'm just saying, like, no, Father, like, the Father always wants you there. He always wants you to be a part. He always wants you to be connected. But church, to remain, and for this to be real, like, you can't pretend to be connected to the vine. I mean, you can, but you will die. You will not blossom. You will not bloom. You will not produce fruit. You have to be grafted in. It has to be a real connection. Do you mean it? Do you mean it when you say you love his presence? I find your peace makes me whole. I need it. Here's what this does. Forget listening to a pastor on a Sunday morning. Forget singing corporate worship songs together on Sunday mornings or whenever you get together. What this does is it makes it so real where you have to connect with Jesus on your own outside of here. And that like home, making it a home, remaining is something that you and the Father do. And is doable and is knowable, and is the most life-giving thing you could ever have. Period. To remain is the simplest pursuit of a relationship. Stay. Connect with me. I love that you spend time with those other people or that you're so committed to your work. I mean, you're going to hear the Lord say he's proud of you in ways that you've never heard. But he's just like, but will you will you spend time with me? It's simple. It's simple. Don't run from the hard questions that you've been evading. It's time where you haven't wanted to dealt with some of those things before the Lord because it's too hard to deal with, too hard to think about, too hard to say, it's time. You will not regret it. You will not regret spending time with Jesus. You will only say, why didn't I do this sooner? How, what things did I allow to get in the way of this relationship? What things do I prioritize to keep me from spending time with my wife? right? It's the same. It's the same. Stand up. I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. Lord, we just come before you today thankful, God, and we really want to be a thankful people, like thankful for the cross. But we, we hear you, God, when you repeat, remain 11 times, 10, 11 times in this in this scripture, God, in this passage, would you tell us what you're saying? Would you reveal to us, God, where we don't know, where we're ignorant and lost and we need the light shed on us, would you do that, God? We We need it. We know you have grace for it. Make it real, God, where we've turned away and we've held things back, where we've said no, where we've ignored. I thank you for the breakthrough there, Father. I thank you that everywhere anyone in this room has ever ran to, intimacy is just right there. It's right there. We can remain with you every single day, no matter what's happened, God, that your love for us is still as full as it has ever been. Take take that works-based mentality away, Father. We we want there to be fruit in our life, God. We want to see that blossom happen. We, we, We want there to be evidence of our faith. But right here, right now, God, it is about intimacy with you, Lord. We'll ask ourselves the hard questions, God. God, where we have not wanted to remain, change our hearts, change it Lord help us shift our priorities and bring, bring life into us God I pray that you would bless your people God answer them quickly Lord show up in the most subtle of ways just let them know you're real let them know you feel you love God you know exactly what they're going through you've seen them under their fig trees in a way that no one else could God where no one else sees anything Father you know Bless your people, God. Let them be a light as they leave this place. Give them, give them an insatiable appetite for your word and to be in your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Bless them. Amen. Amen. I love you so much. I'm so proud to be a part of this church, and you're an amazing people. Have an amazing week. Merry Christmas.